Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. We know we should be praying people. We know that God changes things because of prayer. We know how powerful prayer is and how pitiful our lives are without it. And yet, when we're faced with the statement that we don't pray and we don't know what to say to Him, we're embarrassed. All of us are. America is not a praying nation. When speaking about an unrepentant, hardened heart, Jesus said it would have been better for that person to have never been born. Sounds harsh. Well, it's actually a statement of love. Jesus was warning his disciples about the finality of a decision made for him or against him. As our Father, he wants all of us to be with him in heaven. If a person was never born, they could never make the decision that would see them spend eternity in hell. Jesus went to the cross to save everybody, but we still have to make that choice for ourselves. We're headed to hell from the moment we're born, so there's no such thing as choosing nothing. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verse 30, with today's study entitled, Danger, Greed, Pride, Unbelief, and Apathy. Look at your own life this morning. You say, well, I would never say that to Jesus. Well, let's see if we're prideful. Let me give you some examples of pride. Showy, selfish, conceited, arrogant, boastful, critical. Here's one. It sneaks in there right up on us. Reluctant to accept criticism. Well, I don't accept criticism because those people that criticize me don't know what they're talking about. Really? Refusal to admit one's weaknesses. An inflated sense of one's abilities or opinion. Pride is like a telescope that has turned the wrong way. When you have pride in your life, and I have pride in my life, it's like the big end is focusing on me. And the small end is God. See, it needs to be the other way. If you are the person that's bragging on you and God is the one down here, well, God, whenever I need your help, I'll call you. You're prideful. And God hates pride. Peter was saying, in my flesh, I can do it. If pride's a danger in your life, the scripture says something always happens after pride. And what is that? It's a fall. In other words... God will just cut out the legs from under you until you go, wow. All of the disciples, anytime you brag that I'm strong enough in my flesh to serve God, watch out because a fall is coming. Now, the solution to pride is humility. And humility is simply this. It starts with us acknowledging one thing, our dependence on God. 
as you look in your life, if you sit here and say, well, I'm living the Christian life because I have enough, I've been to church, you don't know how long I've been to church, Pastor Mark, and I know the Bible, and I've studied Greek and Hebrew, and I can tell you this, and I know the prophecy from back to first, and I've raised all my kids, and they're all serving God, and I serve God because of my strength and my experience. I'm saying to you, watch out, because there's a fall coming. You see, I need God every single day in my life. I can't even teach the next time unless God's strength is there for me. It's impossible. And I don't only mean physical, which is, but I do mean physical, but I mean spiritual. I cannot live the Christian life without total dependence on God. Now, humility is like this. If you know God and you study and you see His character in here, then humility should make us humble. Knowing yourself should keep you humble. You and I know who the real person is, don't we? You and I know how flaky our faith is sometimes. Only you and I really know how many times this last week we failed. Now God knows it. Aren't you glad he isn't exposing us this morning? What if we went alphabetically? A, your name. And God would just put a little video camera on you and list we have to have bigger screen, number one. All the things that was wrong with your life this week. Would you like it? Number one, I wouldn't be here. I'd be trying to go home somewhere. But God's gracious, isn't he? Don't think that you can serve Christ in your strength. You can't. See, Peter meant well. We mean well. Jesus knew the disciples. The disciples weren't there saying, they weren't bragging on themselves because they knew they were going to try to definitely betray Jesus. They thought they could do it. Jesus knows we're human and we make mistakes. He knows we too often rely on our own power. Verse 30, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered today, yesterday, before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And then here's the example of Peter as a leader getting other people in trouble. And all the others chimed in and said the same thing. So they're all in trouble. You see, Jesus says, Peter, cock-a-doodle-doo. Before you hear it twice, not once, not twice, but three times, you're going to blow it. Peter responds, not a chance. I wouldn't even blow it once. That brings us to the next danger in our life. It's called unbelief, a lack of trust in God and his word. Notice, initially, Jesus had quoted Zechariah, the written word of God, which said all the disciples will fail. Then he chimes in and says to Peter, not only does the written word say that you're going to fail, but I'm telling you, Peter, three times you will fail. So we have the written word of God and the spoken word of God. And what did the disciples do with it? They totally ignore the word of God. Let me ask you something simply this. Is there any area in your life right now today that you're doubting or arguing with the word of God? I'm not talking about anything about Calvary Chapel. I'm talking about the word of God. 
If you're here this morning and you're a young person or maybe a single or whatever, and, and you're sleeping with somebody and you're not married, and you know the Bible says premarital sex is wrong, are you saying, well, it, maybe it was wrong in those days, but you know, you can't, you can't marry somebody without sleeping with them. You've got to get to know them. You're in trouble because you have unbelief. See, God's word does not change. He knows best. And in any area of your life, if you're arguing with the word of God, let me say this very simply and love to you. You're wrong. And not only are you wrong, but you're in sin. You see, my life depends on the truth of the word of God. There must be a standard that holds. This is a standard. Whether you like it or not doesn't matter. The standard is still true. We have to be people of the word. Matthew 4, 4 says this, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You can't live by part of the Bible, but every word. Now you can argue with it, and you will fall to the danger of unbelief just like the disciples. They said, no, 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 you got it wrong, Jesus. Your prophecy isn't right, your words aren't right. But you'll see that they were wrong and the word was right. One day, you will determine that the word is always right. Sooner, the better for you and for me. We must be people of faith and believe the word. The last one we come to, it's an interesting one. It's called spiritual apathy. A casual attitude toward God and sin. Look at verse 32. Then they went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter and James and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Jesus took his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, because earlier they had all said this, we can handle it, we can drink the cup of death, we can be baptized with your baptism, no problem. So Jesus says, good, you said it, let's see how you do. So he takes the three of them, and they're in the Garden of Gethsemane, and the other disciples are waiting outside. He takes the three with them, and he takes them close enough to an area where they can now observe Jesus praying. He does that for a reason, because he wants to teach them what prayer is all about. Now, notice in that verse it says that Jesus shares with them, he begins to be deeply distressed and troubled. Look at verse 34. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow, even to the point of death. So stay here and keep watch. What was happening? Here's what was happening. Jesus knew how close to death he was. Jesus understood that in a few moments, the spiritual consequences of sin were going to overwhelm him. You see, humanity had sinned. And sin enters the world, and when you're born, you're born in sin. And sin always separates from God. And to be replaced in relationship with God, it took somebody to pay for my sin and your sin. Jesus knew that shortly, even though he'd lived perfect his whole life, the sin of the whole world was going to be placed on him. Your sin. My sin. Every single sin we've already done and those that we're going to do was placed on Jesus. That was a weight. But the biggest weight was he knew that when sin came on him, he who knew no sin became sin for us. When sin came on him, God would turn his eyes away from Jesus. And Jesus had never been 
broken in fellowship with his father since time began, whenever that is. And he was hurting. And he knew what was going to take place. So watch how he prays. He goes a little farther in verse 35, and he fell to the ground and prayed that if it is possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. So Jesus prayed, and the Bible says that Greek word there, prayer, means tremendous emotion. It was with great energy that he prayed. And basically, here's what Jesus prayed. God, Father, if there's any other way for sinful man to be restored to you without me having to go to the cross and die, if there's any other way, show me the way. He was not trying to avoid God's will. He was just saying, I don't want to go to the cross if there's another way. And he prayed that. And here was the answer from God to that prayer. That's exactly right. Silence. Because there was no other way. And I thought about this. You see, Jesus was my only hope of ever being restored in fellowship with God and living in heaven. Jesus came as God's only son. He was it. If he fails, we're not meeting today because man is condemned to hell with no option. Aren't you glad Jesus said, it's all right, I'll do it. So even though it was silent, he admitted in his spirit, I'm going to go through with that, which will bring salvation. Verse 37, then he returned to his disciples and found them what? And here's something, I don't have time to develop it, but it's very interesting. Early on in Jesus' ministry, when Simon Peter came to him, Jesus changed Peter's name, uh, Simon's name, to Peter, a rock. Look what he calls him. Simon. His old name. The old fleshly Peter. The one that said, even if I die, I'll stand for you. And what is he doing? Sleeping. And he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. How many know you cannot sleep and pray at the same time? How many know that by experience? Come on. Yeah. The minute you stop praying, if you're in the wrong position, you'll start sleeping. You, you can't do it. You cannot do it. Prayer, listen, prayer is the deciding factor in spiritual warfare. And yet, we blow it over and over and over again. What Jesus was trying to say is, Peter, Satan is trying to keep you from praying. He knows the power of prayer. By the way, Satan will keep you and I from praying. He knows what happens when a church prays. When we study the book of Acts again, you'll see what prayer does. Verse 39, once more he went away and prayed the same thing. And when he came back, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. And here's a very sad statement. They did not know what to say to him. We know we should be praying people. We know that God changes things because of prayer. We know how powerful prayer is and how pitiful our lives are without it. And yet, when we're faced with the 
statement that we don't pray and we don't know what to say to him. We're embarrassed. All of us are. America is not a praying nation. Is there any zeal in your life this morning about spiritual things? We must have zeal for prayer. No prayer, no spiritual power. If we don't pray, we will always revert back to operating in the flesh. That's what the three disciples did. And what did they do? Sleep. No prayer, no intimacy with God. That's no understanding of His will for our lives. The disciples missed the greatest opportunity to see how Jesus battled in prayer in their whole three and a half years. They missed it because they were apathetic. They were spiritually dull. Are we missing it today? Verse 41 says, Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? I've had enough of you. Sleep on. I'm disowning you. Is that what he says? No. Why didn't he? Because of what? Grace. When you look at your life and my life this morning, why doesn't God say, you guys, you know, you know to pray. I've taught you to pray. It, you learn pray. You asked me to come and teach you to pray, and yet you don't what? Pray. So God really should come to us and go, forget you guys. You're away. I'm, I'm going to start with a new bunch. But he doesn't because of what? Grace. Next two verses say this, Enough, the hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is being traded in the hands of sinner. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. The disciples have been warned three times. No improvement. Compared to greed, pride, unbelief, we look at spiritual apathy and prayer and say, that's really not a danger in my life because I don't pray, is it? Yes, it is. I believe it's the greatest danger to any of our lives. To simply have a casual attitude toward God in prayer is a disaster in the life of a Christian. We're challenged everywhere to be people of prayer. Basically, we don't. Look at verse 21. I give you the last statement this morning. Jesus says something very interesting. I've given you four dangers this morning, but I want to end with the greatest danger of all. Jesus said this, But woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. The greatest danger... The greatest danger in any person's life is a danger to continue to reject Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. You see, if you're here this morning and you're an unbeliever and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, and you plan to live your life that way, and you're never going to accept Jesus Christ, Here's what Jesus says to you this morning. It had been better for you that you were what? Never born. Well, why would God, a loving God, say that? Because of this. Every person that is born will live in eternity. Every single one of you, including your children and my children, will live in eternity in one of two places. Now, if my kids were never born... They would never have the opportunity of going to hell because they were never born. But since they were born, and since I am born, and since every one of you are born, you have a choice. 
And what Jesus is trying to say is this, I'm going to the cross to die for everybody. But if you rejected, it would have actually been better if you would have had the choice if you never would have been born. People say to me quite often, well, what does it take to go to hell? I mean, what kind of things do I have to do? Here's what it takes to go to hell. And listen clearly, nothing. Because you're already headed to hell. Well, I don't want to hear that. Somebody has to tell you the truth. Sin separates us from God. This is not playtime. This is a time when we do battle against the forces of hell. Because Satan says to you, well, you can be good enough and get there on your own, and that's pride, not a chance. You can buy your way in, and we find churches doing that. You, can buy, you can't buy your way into heaven. Jesus Christ paid the cost. You say, well, I, I'm going to just be lax about it, and someday I'm going to accept him. Be careful, you'll cross the line. Today is a day of salvation. It's not later. In a moment, I'm going to give every single one of you a question. And here's the question I want you to answer me. Do you know you're headed for heaven right now? Are you positive that you know Jesus Christ is your personal? Have you ever absolutely, positively said, Jesus Christ, come into my life. I accept your work on the cross. I desire to live a Christian life. If you've never done that, then you are headed for hell. But God has you here, and there's a great big word that we've talked about a lot. It's called grace. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, For by grace are you saved, and that through belief, faith. If you call upon the name of the Lord this morning, you can leave here knowing you're going to heaven. That's the greatest offer you'll find anywhere. Any Beats any two-for-one lunch, beats anything. It's that promise from God, and His word is true. Let me read you a letter to show you how God's power can change people's lives. I was listening to Greg Laurie, who's a pastor and has a great radio program. Here's what a lady wrote. Dear Pastor Greg, you don't know me, but you saved my marriage. I was involved in an adulterous relationship for 10 years and was considering leaving my husband for my best friend. Then one day on the way to work, I heard you on the radio. I liked what you said and began to listen every day because of you. And because of you and God, I was able to end my affair. You taught me on your program how husbands and wives should be best friends. I pray to God that he would give me the courage to turn my life around, and he's answered my prayers. It's been over one year since I ended the affair, and my life has never been better. You see, it doesn't matter where you've been, you can come back to God. Maybe you used to serve God, but you haven't served God for a long time. Maybe you're a prodigal. Make your heart right with God. And here's how she signs the letter. It just grabbed me as I heard it on the radio. Listen to how she signs the letter. On behalf of myself and my husband and my four children, I thank God for you. We're here this morning not to play games. We're here this morning to have God change your life. If you think you're too far from God, you're wrong. His grace still covers your sin. I don't care what sin it is. You come this morning to a loving Savior. He died for you. You come. When Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, His intention was to be in communion with His Father. Jesus didn't want the cross, but it was necessary for the redemption of a sinful world. He offered grace, but as we heard from Pastor Mark, there comes a time when that grace is rejected by a person so many times, it's no longer offered. 
A hardened heart can't discern God's word or hear his voice, so make a choice for him. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series the next time you join us. For those of you that like to have CD archives of Bible teachings, we'd like to offer you a CD of Pastor Mark's message from today. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5. This is only to cover the materials and shipping it takes for you to receive your CD. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option. Now, here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is MB3162. And the title of today's message is Danger, Greed, Pride, Unbelief, and Apathy. Again, the message number is MB3162. And the title of today's message is Danger, Greed, Pride, Unbelief, and Apathy. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living when we see the final events that occur in Jesus' life where he experiences a flood of betrayal and abandonment. From Judas's duplicitous kiss to Peter's denial, Jesus' disciples cut and run at the time he needs them the most. We'll see how their attitudes are reflected in the lives of believers today and how, through grace, we can overcome them. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the Gospel of Mark. It's next time on Lessons for Living.